Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Pick up your phone and call right now. 800-932-5517. 800-932-5517. Once again, that's 800-932-5517. Live from San Francisco on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, you are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with your hosts, Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on! How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, New Pacific 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific 6 Eastern, well, it is a Sunday here on the program, and we've got a lot to talk about. Last night was the finals of the G1 Climax 30 tournament for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Obviously, there's going to be spoilers for the show, or spoilers for that show on this show today. I don't want to hear any complaints if I tell you who won, obviously. show ended 12 hours ago, so you should have had plenty of time to watch it. But we will talk about Kota Ibushi, two-time winner of the G1 tournament, what all of this means, where they're going, upcoming shows, the Tokyo Dome, which once again, they announced will be over two nights, January 4th and January 5th. And obviously the big question going into the Tokyo Dome this year is two nights of the Tokyo Dome, which last year was a huge financial success for New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's why we have two nights again this year. But the question is, how many people are going to be in the Tokyo Dome? Will they be getting the tens of thousands of international travelers coming to the Tokyo Dome? A lot of questions, but it will be January 4th and January 5th once again this year. SmackDown also had their season premiere, which I actually thought was an excellent show. And Raw has their season premiere coming up on Monday night. And the overnight ratings for SmackDown were not barn burners by any means, but for whatever reason... And this is a very recent change, by the way. For whatever reason, over the last several weeks, the number that we get on Saturday, the overnight number, ends up being low. And the final number that comes out on Tuesday ends up being higher. Now, for most of the year, it had been the other way around. There would be a number that came out on Saturday, and the final number would be lower. So I don't know if it's the way that Nielsen is counting viewers that has changed recently or what the situation is, but we'll talk about SmackDown ratings and so much more when we come back from the break. Wrestling Observer Live. Girl, I kind of see you know I love so. Sports 
sports bettors. This is Hall of Famer Warren Sapp here to tell you about my favorite sports book, BetUS.com. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. Just like me, BetUS is the Hall of Famer of online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. Join now. Get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. I play at BetUS, and so should you. Call today at 1-800-69-BETUS. That's 1-800-MY-BETUS. Tell them SAP sent you. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Rick Tittle here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Well, BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Call today at 1-800-MYBETUS. That's 1-800-MYBETUS. Or go to BetUS.com and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. And when you get to the How'd You Hear About Us box, type in Rick Tittle, and you get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. 25 years in the biz. Best bonuses. BetUS.com or 800-MY-BETUS. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Even if you've tried before and were unsuccessful in getting rid of your timeshare, call today and see if we can help. We offer a complete 100% unconditional client satisfaction guarantee. Make this completely free call and learn how we can help you legally put an end to your timeshare nightmare once and for all. You have nothing to lose, so call right now to qualify and receive a free consultation. 800-880-7167. 800-880-7167. That's 800-880-7167. Paid for by Airtime Media. If your home service business is not at the top of Google Maps, winningreviews.com is here to help. You need to be careful when working on your Google My Business profile, which is what shows up on Google Maps. One mistake, and you'll be on page two. Winningreviews.com offers a workshop to teach you how to get to the top of Google Maps. Don't let your competition have that top spot. Check out winningreviews.com and get to the top of Google Maps. Go to winningreviews.com. That's winningreviews.com. You're listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. I'm Mike Sempervivi, also WrestlingObserver.com. Sports Byline Broadcasting, Sunday, Sirius Satellite Radio. Twitch.tv slash F4W Video. A lot to get into here today. The G1 is in the books. Since we last joined you, everybody, a lot has happened. A couple of highlights. There was a Will Ospreay Okada match, which was a great match. But when the match was over, the big news broke. And that is that Will Ospreay has turned heel... He turned on Okada. 
He has hooked up with his girlfriend, B. Priestley of Stardom, which is now owned by Bushy Road, and the returning Great O'Conn. I could have sworn it was the Great O'Carn. Did that change? No one knows? Anyway. It did for you. Yes, it did. Thank you. That's what I thought. So anyway, they turned heel and destroyed Okada. And that's a big story. We'll get to that in a moment. Then we had the final night of Block A. This was on the final night. And it came down to Ishii and Jay White in the finals. And the story was that if Jay White won, he won the block. But if Ishii beat Jay White, Jay White was out and Kota Ibushi won the block. And in fact, Ishii beat that prick Jay White. Spoiled the tournament for him and gave the win to Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi wins. Block A. Second night, Block B. Not as good as the first night, although there were some really great matches. Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. It only went 12 minutes, but it was a fantastic 12 minutes. Evil Sonata was the main event, and like the whole story of Night B was really good matches. None of them were classics. And came down to Evil and Sonata, and everybody ran in. Dick Togo, uh, Romu ran in to try to run off Dick Togo. And finally, there in the end, they got run together. Sonata, reverse rolling cradle and bridge, the O'Connor roll, and he pinned Evil, and he won the block. So the finals came down to Kodabushi and Sonata. And when Sonata won the B block, my first thought immediately was, I guess Sonata is going to win the G1 this year. But then as I was watching the finals, it suddenly occurred to me that they just signed Kodabushi to like seemingly a 50-year deal. And he'd never been signed to New Japan prior. He'd just gone wherever he wanted. He floated around with the wind. He's now signed, sealed, and delivered. Long-term contract. 38 years old. He doesn't look it, but he's 38 years old. And as I'm watching the match, it hit me that now's the time. It is not time to wait around. Kodabushi lands on his head all the time and his neck. Like, he looks like he's immortal, but he's not. So... Now's the time. And in fact, Kodabushi won. It was, it was designed to be like an all-time classic. It was designed to be the match of the G1. I didn't think it was. Ibushi was selling his leg because him and Taichi got into a leg kick battle that went, you know what's funny? It was just the other day on this very show that we were talking about wrestling training. And I said, you know what? I've always had this idea. That what you should do in, in wrestling school is the wrestlers are only allowed to punch. You can't do any moves. And you gotta somehow figure out a way to put a match together with nothing but punching. Maybe you could do punching and kicking. Maybe a one or two arm ringers or whatever, but it's just gotta be punches, kicks, whatever. You learn to throw a great punch, great kick, and you learn how to put a match together without the moves. Literally two days later, Kota Bushi and Taichi go in there and they do that match. They did nothing but kick each other for 17 minutes. The two exceptions were Taichi tried one suplex, which didn't work. And then at the very end, Bushi hit a Kamigoye instead of a kick and won. Other than that, the entire match from start to finish was nothing but kicking. It was an incredible coincidence. But anyway, 
Abushi's selling his leg. But the real problem was, I don't know what happened, but something happened with Abushi. He was not himself. They botched spots. Like, it wasn't a disaster, and you kind of have to look for the couple of spots that they botched, but they, they definitely, this was not Ibushi's best performance. It may have been Sonata's best performance, but in the end, Ibushi won. He is going to the Tokyo Dome show, second year in a row that he won the G1, and he has vowed to become the IWGP champion, which he has never been before in his career. Overall, from what I saw, and I saw pretty much every grade match, it was a very good tournament. It wasn't the best of all time. The lack of, of being able to yell and scream and boo and cheer did hurt. The crowds helped, but they can only help to so much to a degree when you can't yell and boo and scream. But overall, I thought it was a good tournament. And Mike, your thoughts? It certainly feels like time, doesn't it, that Kota Ibushi and the IWGP title should be together? Unfortunately for a lot of Tetsuya Naito fans out there, hey, look, you had the big victory last year, you know, topped Okada, it was your time again. Unfortunately, 2020 has been what it is with COVID and everything. So it hasn't been the, the mightiest of reigns. He went and dropped it to evil to try to jumpstart him. And we saw that go the direction that it did. But the other thing Sonata had working against him too is the fact that, as you mentioned, Ibushi is ironclad and rock solid, whereas Sonata really is not. You know, he, he's still, you know, technically he is signed to New Japan, yes, but there is some question over what his future interests are. So we may have seen the peak of Sonata in New Japan. We we don't know that, but it certainly seems to be that he has reached a level that he is not going to ascend past, whereas it is time for Kota Ibushi to start carrying the reins in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He went through the battles with Tanahashi, topping the old ace. He's going to put to bed a, a next champion here and He's going to have Okada in his future as well as many other people, not the least of which is going to be Will Ospreay, who has now established himself as a, as a, as of now, a faction leader and, and heavyweight championship contender, whether he remains a faction leader or not, or whether he ends up with evil in his group or something like that as we go along is to be seen, but he's definitely going to be a heavyweight championship threat. Honestly, aside from the Bullet Club, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to all of these factions as we go into 2021 as well, because it is probably high time they need to shake a lot of these groups up, which they seem to be doing, especially if Osprey's going to have his own. Well, I will say this, that there are very few men like Minoru Suzuki, as we're all well aware, but he is in his 50s, and the reality is Sonata is only 32 years old, so... As long as he doesn't fall apart, I mean, Sonata is an incredible athlete, and he is a great worker, but he has not figured out the charisma aspect of this business. And some people, if you don't have it, you just don't have it. There are other people like Nakamura. If you remember Nakamura early in his career, you would never have guessed that he would become the Nakamura of later in his career. And granted, he was younger than Sonata is now, but you never know. The point is... Sonata may have many, many years in. In fact, if he lasts as long as Minoru Suzuki, he's got 20 years minimum left. Mm. So it is not to the end of the world that he did not get his day in the sun here. Abushi is noted 38, and even though it doesn't look like it's been a hard 38, I mean, inside, it's probably been a pretty hard 38. So I wouldn't, I don't know. I'd, I'd go for it now. But granted, I mean, look at, look at, Look at uh, Tanahashi, for example. You know, that was a guy that 
He's 43 years old right now, and his body is destroyed. But he doesn't wrestle like the Tanahashi when he was 32 years old. He changed his style, just like Muda changed his style. Sonata could, could very well change his style down the road if he needs to. So there's no rush is my point. No, but I think it's more of a matter of where Sonata than if he's going to be in that, that spotlight. If it's a matter of where, what company it's going to be in, whether it's in New Japan, whether it's going to be in America working for either company or, or, or somewhere else, his shine may still come. It just may not necessarily be with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. We had to break, everybody. Back in a moment with more. We'll do text messages when we come back. And then in the final segment, we may take some telephone calls. Back in a moment, Observer Live. You don't gotta go to work, do you owe ten thousand dollars or more on at least two federal student loans then you may qualify for new programs offered by the department of education these programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments, and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. If you have $10,000 or more and at least two federal student loans and currently not in school, you may qualify for one of these programs. Call now to check your eligibility. Student loan advisors are standing by to help you determine if you qualify for these new programs. They can help you reduce your interest, lower your payment, and even forgive a portion of your student loan debt. Take control of your financial future. Make this free five-minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan debt. 800-439-7851 Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Doran's Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Doran's for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-485-6003. 800-485-6003. That's 800-485-6003. Hello and welcome back to the Ronnie Deutsch Tax Program. On the line is Paul from California. Hi, Paul. What's your tax problem today? Hi, Ronnie. Love your show. Listen, I've got a big problem. You see, my paycheck was garnished last week. I'm only getting half the normal amount. To make matters worse, the IRS froze my bank account. Listen, I'm embarrassed and scared. I need some help. Listen, Paul, you don't need to feel embarrassed. You just need some tax help. And the great news is the IRS has some unbelievable programs that can eliminate your tax debt so you don't have to worry about having your paycheck garnished or your bank levied. Doesn't that sound great? 
It sure does, Ronnie. Then do yourself a huge favor and get a free consultation right now. And tell them the tax lady sent you. 855-715-5721. That's 855-715-5721. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. A couple of news notes, and we'll go to the text messages. 425-780-7566 is the phone number. Indie wrestler Tony Deppin revealed on Twitter he has tested positive for the coronavirus a week after he was part of the collective Deppin said everyone he was around all weekend had negative results. Quote, even the people I was in a car with for nine hours, I guess I am just the lucky one. He said he had been in isolation for the last week and, quote, actually felt like death. Adding he and his wife had to cancel their baby shower, which is the hardest thing for him to accept. Deppin wrestled twice on Saturday, once in a gauntlet at Effie's Big Gay Brunch, and then against Alex Shelley at Joey Janela's Spring Break 4. GCW's ownership has urged both fans and wrestlers to get tested after last weekend's group of shows. As several wrestlers tested positive, including AC Mack, Dan the Dad, and Cabana Man Dan. Cabana Man Dan is not Cabana Man Dan the Dad. Two different guys. Positive tests have affected other organizations. As Ring of Honor announced several wrestlers brought into work would not be used as a precaution. We also have this, last night's SmackDown, as mentioned in the opening segment. 1.987 million viewers. This was coming after the draft. This featured interpromotional matches. This included a world championship match. Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Which, by the way, in what universe do you do a draft... And then have somebody from Raw immediately go to SmackDown and challenge for the SmackDown title. What if Braun Strowman would have won? Would he have taken the title to Raw on Monday and there would be no SmackDown champion? It was never explained. But he didn't win anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yes, 1.987 million viewers. And the final match of the New Day, 18-34, a point two, which ties the worst that SmackDown has ever done on Fox. 18 to 49, down 16.7 percent, 0.5 rating, and uh, as noted earlier, for whatever reason, it used to be for the entire year that whatever the Saturday number was, the final number would actually be lower. And for whatever reason, the last month, whatever the number is on Saturday, the final number ends up being higher. It may be that Nielsen has changed the way that they do ratings. They now they now count if you watch something in a tavern or whatever. I, I can't imagine there's like tons of people watching SmackDown at the bar. Maybe there are. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, we'll find out Tuesday what the final number is. Certainly not a great number in terms of the overnights. No, I think anytime you're under 2 million, if you're them, it's, it's not good. Um I don't know if, again, the overnights too are, that is a, what is it, the 20 top 
markets in the country, 25 top markets in the country. So I don't know, maybe baseball may have something to do with that. When they look at the, the major markets, you have Atlanta and, and the Dodgers, say, playing. I don't know maybe if that's got an effect on things where nationwide that wasn't as watched as much. I don't know what the breakdown would be or for what reason it would be happening. But anytime you're under $2 million, whether you're Raw or you're SmackDown, and on Raw, obviously, it happens constantly. You know, they're, they're trying to pop a first hour number because by the time they get to the third, that's around one six, one seven constantly now. So it's going to be tough, but that's got to be the goal that they're looking to, to try to stay above and as well as all the other demos that were, were promised or that are important to, uh, SmackDown on Friday nights or you or, uh, Fox on Friday nights, they should say. Well, they didn't announce it on TV this past week. All four first round matches in the AW. World title number one contender tournament will be on this week's Dynamite. So we've got, this is the lineup for Dynamite here. Keep in mind, I don't think we have anything, for, actually I think we have a couple of matches for NXT, but yeah, we have one, if I recall correctly, that they've announced. But anyway, Dynamite has Penta versus Ray Phoenix, Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela, Cole Cabana versus Hangman Page, Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, Young Bucks versus Private Party versus Butcher and Blade versus John Silver and Alex Reynolds for a tag team title shot at full gear. Britt Baker in action and Lay Dinner Debonair with Chris Jericho and MJF. That's this Wednesday on NXT. All right, let's look at these text messages and emails here. This person says this Ben Carter news really disappointing. Basically, he's going to WWE. He had what was called the greatest tryout match in the history of AEW. And when things like that happen, you get offers from everywhere. And he went to WWE. Now, obviously, there's not a lot to say about this, because I don't know what they're going to do with the guy. But I do know this. There was another man who everybody said, Dude, do not go to NXT. Go to AEW. You will be better off in AEW. And this man, Jake Atlas, decided that he was going to go to NXT. And so far, he has not done anything of note in NXT. So, everybody is making the same comparison with Ben Carter. They may be right, they may be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. But the consensus seems to be that this was probably a bad decision on his part. But we shall see. Well, is it? You know, I I don't know. He is so early into his career. He was trained by Tyler Black and Merrick Brave, Black and Brave Academy. How much Tyler Black had, you know, firsthand into that, I have no idea. Seth Rollins, uh, with the time that he's been doing in WWE, I'm not sure how much he really had a chance to train him, but he comes from that school, and he has been spectacular on the indie scene. He has looked incredible. He's just one of those guys that, like a ricochet, like a, a Pac, uh, you, you look at those guys and you go, okay, something special. You know, we'll see where they go, uh, but certainly something special. And probably the comparisons he's gotten mostly have been to to Pac or, or to to Pac, the former. Uh, what was his name in WWE? And, and that's what I think a lot of people are concerned with. It'll just be Aaron Neville or whatever the hell his name was in in, in WWE. Uh, just like that. But the flip side of that is he is so early into his career where if this is a two-year deal, 
especially with the current environment, the way that it is right now, and they're taking care of getting him his paperwork because he doesn't live in the States, and they're taking care of doing all these things, and before you know it, two years is up, and he sees exactly what his lot is going to be. There's still plenty of time for this guy to go. I mean, you would think that he he has ended his career by signing with WWE. There are people who are so Well, let me jump in very this. quickly and say like, one thing, okay? Please. I don't know how long his deal is, but I would say with like 99.9999999% certainty, there is no way it's a two-year deal. Well, They've been years, signing whatever. everybody to five-year deals. That's well, the new thing. They want everyone locked up forever. So he's probably there for five years. Well, if that and that's the, hey, look, even if that's the case, you know, after five years, he's so young. But it's like, I the worst thing I guess that you could say that they could do is they bring him up to the main roster right away, which I don't know if they're going to do that either. I mean, that's where really where people get hurt and die the worst. Even I mean, it's one thing to fall into the abyss in, in NXT and to just be a body and a name there in some ways like Jake Atlas. It's another thing to be actively beaten like a drum and embarrassed on national TV. And I think that's where you really get your problems. So we'll have to see again. I don't know. It's way too early for me again, just with how, what the reaction is. And I get it. You know, maybe he shouldn't have signed with WWE. Frankly, if I were him, I wouldn't have signed with anybody this early, at least exclusively. But who knows what the hell the guy ever wanted out of life and what he wants out of his career and what his relationship is with people who are already signed by WWE, which is another aspect of it. Spurs here says, I agree. Sonata has all the tools except for the charisma. He needs to figure that out. And actually, he mentions the name here that did, and it's Eddie Guerrero. And quite frankly, Eddie Guerrero was older than Sonata when it finally really clicked with him. And Eddie Guerrero always had some charisma, but he didn't explode in the charisma department until the early 2000s in WWE. And at that point, he was older than Sonata is now. So there are people that have figured it out. Nakamura, this person notes. Well, actually, I noted, but the point is, it can happen. I'm not saying Nakamura, it's going to happen, but it can happen. A lot of it with Nakamura was there was charisma there. It's not like the guy was a natural. It's how he was pushed in the presentation of the character, because that was coming at a time where he took the belt out of nowhere off of Tenzon before people thought that he was actually established. You know, he was given that spot, and then there were a number of problems during that time with New Japan. I mean, honestly, you can actually read about him with the uh, the Aces High or whatever that, that Hiroshi Tanahashi calls his blog on the New Japan site. I would strongly suggest people checking that out because it's about now that he's back in 2001 and talking about a lot of the upheaval that was taking place at the time in 2002 between Antonio Inoki and Masachono and the other people that were were struggling in this battle over the direction of the company, sports entertainment, or, you know, basically kind of more what New, J New Japan became as uh, opposed to Enochiism. It really is fascinating stuff. Bruce says, I'm a huge Naito fan. I have zero problem with Ibushi taking the IWGP title. At the Tokyo Dome, Naito would have had a good enough reign by January 4th. I would like, however, the heavyweight title and the intercontinental title to split. It is a lost cause. I don't know if I'd call it a lost cause, but I will say this. Tokyo Dome's coming up. It's two days. So they very easily could do a deal where Naito has to defend on both days. He defends the Intercontinental title against somebody on January 4th and the IWGP title against somebody on January 5th. 
Or if you want to get really crazy, I won't even go that crazy. Back in a moment with calls. Deserve Live. Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans? Then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments, and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. If you have $10,000 or more and at least two federal student loans and currently not in school, you may qualify for one of these programs. Call now to check your eligibility. Student Loan Advisors are standing by to help you determine if you qualify for these new programs. They can help you reduce your interest, lower your payment, and even forgive a portion of your student loan debt. Take control of your financial future. Make this free 5-minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan debt. 800-439-7851 Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Doran's Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Doran's for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-485-6003. 800-485-6003. That's 800-485-6003. Hello and welcome back to the Ronnie Deutsch Tax Program. On the line is Paul from California. Hi, Paul. What's your tax problem today? Hi, Ronnie. Love your show. Listen, I've got a big problem. You see, my paycheck was garnished last week, and I'm only getting half the normal amount. To make matters worse, the IRS froze my bank account. Listen, I'm embarrassed and scared. I need some help. Listen, Paul, you don't need to feel embarrassed. You just need some tax help. And the great news is the IRS has some unbelievable programs that can eliminate your tax debt so you don't have to worry about having your paycheck garnished or your bank levied. Doesn't that sound great? It sure does, Ronnie. Then do yourself a huge favor and get a free consultation right now and tell them the tax lady sent you. 855 855-715-5721. 855-715-5721. That's 855-715-5721. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. First says, it's time for Ibushi to get his proper coordination at Wrestle Kingdom. He lost to Osprey in 2019, lost to both Jay and Okada this year. Well, I think it is time. 
We'll find out. One way or the other, he's going to have a big match there. That I can tell you. Well, if not now, when? You know, and what, you, what else are you going to do? You're going to put him up against Tanahashi again? You know, if you're doing that, then somebody's got to go heel in that case if you're going to do that again. Do you put him up against? Yeah, again, it's just time right now. He is the the next face of the company, and even though I don't think we're going to see a dramatic change in how IWGP championship matches are structured, what have we all been talking about? we got Osprey now ascending to the heavyweight division. You have Jay White, who is there. You have guys like Minoru Suzuki, and I'm not saying we're going to see, you know, different. We're always going to see spectacular IWGP championship matches. I can't believe that we're, we're not going to see that, at least for the uh, – uh, for the immediate future, but with Ibushi in there, it just it leads to some different matches and some different dynamics that Naito can't do anymore right now, and they're going to look different than what we've seen with Okada. It's just some of the, the action we're going to see in some of these IWGP championship matches. If he wins the title from Naito, I mean, he's got some opponents who can absolutely go. This person wants to know if Sonata is like a Japanese Terry Taylor. Sonata is a thousand times better than Terry Stop. Taylor was. Yeah, it's uh, and he's not a chicken. <laughs> you know, Sonata is missing something. I've always thought that. And there are people, the the big Sonata fans, don't think he's missing every anything, but he is certainly missing something. And again, the loyalties have something to do with this too. Again, uh, you know, evil and uh, question over whether he's going to be around there. And and again, even if he is. There's something missing in Sonata's game, and it's not an awful. If they gave him the IWGP championship tomorrow, I'm sure he would be a fine champion. But he's not going to transcend in the ways that Naito does. He's not going to transcend in the ways that Nakamura or Tanahashi or Ibushi do. All of those guys, Finn Balor, uh, Ed, all of them had something a little extra and a little more special with the fans. You can call out there being holes in Sonata's offense, because there are. I mean, there is a lot of light in comparison to other wrestlers on that roster that you see with him. But that all goes out the window. Nobody cares about that if you have that connection. I mean, John Cena, in some ways, is a great example of that. He can miss by a mile, doesn't matter. It, it, people don't care. With Sonata, he's just not there with everybody, or at least enough people where, you know, again, like in Ibushi is, and uh, long story short, it's certainly time. That was a long story, Mike. But you know what? What's that? We're going to go to the calls now. And I'm asking our caller here on the air from Honolulu not to be a gimmick. What's going on? All right. Um, hello. Uh, shoot. Okay. So it's been confirmed that it's Dark a lot to Side ask of the Ring. Him. Have you talked about Dark Side of the Ring before? Well, like yes. We've, three? we've talked about it, yeah. Are you? When oh, on. man. But, like, they got Collision in Korea. The death of Brian Pillman, confirmed by Eric Bischoff. But, uh, all right. So I want to know how are they going to get the IWGP US title off of John Moxley? Like, they could get it, for, like, Chris Jericho is possibly still signed with NJPW. He can, like, bring Chris Jericho and fight John Moxley again for this time for the IWGP US Championship. Well, uh, bro, bro, I want to thank you very much for the call. You're, you're all over the place here, buddy. So, first off, they're going to get the U.S. title off one guy stuck in America and put it on another guy stuck in America? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's clear by the fact that they haven't stripped Moxley of the title that they're hoping that within the next four to six months he'll be able to leave the country and go to Japan and defend the title. 
I don't think we're in a huge rush to get the belt off of him. I mean, what I haven't quite figured out yet, I, I guess, well, I guess probably an AW issue, but I mean, they do have, they do have the New Japan Strong Show, which is taped in LA. And I guess Moxie can't work for New Japan if they're running America. But I mean, maybe, maybe things are kind of mellowing out a little bit. Maybe, maybe New Japan and, and AW, while they, they wouldn't agree to have a full working relationship, I mean, maybe, maybe they'd both agree, you know what? Moxley, do, do an episode of the NJPW Strong Show. You can retain the title. We won't beat you in America. You'll win. We'll get a title defense in. I mean, maybe they can do something about like that in the meantime. I have no inside information. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just thinking of ideas in the meantime because he can't go to Japan right now. Yeah, but you know the problem with that is then he would be losing in America at the New Japan Strong Show. So that's not going to fly. No, I said he could win. He He defends it on the show and he beats somebody. At least you got a title defense in. But why? You know, he's he's too big of a name, uh, and he's he's too valuable, and that title isn't important right now. Where you go, man, people in Japan are really clamoring about seeing a U.S. title match. No, they may be clamoring about wanting to see John Moxley and Chris Jericho and other people from the states that they haven't seen for a while. But I don't think anybody's clamoring for a U.S. title defense. And the reality is, is you can put that on the back burner. So unless you're gonna, well, hold on a second, Mike. I'm clamoring for it. You want to know why? Because they did a tournament, yeah, please. they did a tournament on New Japan Strong, where the uh, winner is getting a shot at the U.S. title. So I don't think it's out of the question if it could be arranged that John Moxley could appear on the show and defend the title against the winner of the tournament, as they pretty much promised us. Yeah, you could do that. I'm just saying that you don't. There's no need to push that to the top of your list of things to do and list of things to to get over and get near and get by. I mean, you have evil at the top of that list. You got a Bushi at the top of that list, and establishing him that way. You got Osprey's new group. You got about a zillion other things that I'm not saying that you throw it on the the, the trash pile or anything like that. But I think the focusing on that, you know, is not necessarily, I don't believe, on the top of anybody's list. Now, if it does happen, you give me that, great, I'm fine with that, you know, I, however you want to play it. And believe me, there's a lot of people like to like to see Moxley defend that championship against, but whether, you know, again, also as a part of this, with him being AEW champion, does that throw anything into the mix as well, too? But AEW title to the side, again, the U.S. championship, I know it's important in your world right now. I know you want to see something come of it, but I think you could probably wait. And if we don't see something with Moxley until the first quarter or the first half of 2021, eh, I can probably live with that. I can. I don't want to wait. Ryan, you're on the air. What's going on? I have a question about Tenny Khan. You think he's a bit more strict of his talent on how they appear on independent wrestling shows after what Marco stunt pulled last week? Because I heard something like that could get you kicked off the air if the spot was too Marco extreme. Marco stunt? What are you talking TV. about? Are you talking about his brother? No, he's talking, talking about, about him. Yeah. He's latching onto the no, cornet thing and what a lot of people have tried to I say. I don't even know what Marco stunt even did last week, Ryan, but thank you very much for the call. Yes, obviously, I mean, Tony Khan... Listen, if if this continues to happen where there are these independent events and the AEW crew can work there and there are giant COVID outbreaks, I mean, he should say something. But the, quite frankly, they are independent contractors. And, and th- that company is run way more like a company full of independent contractors than WWE is. I could probably call Marco Stunt right now 
and get him on the show and not have to ask anybody. Whereas nobody in WWE, even though they're independent contractors, they cannot appear on this program. And, of course, the list goes on and on on top of that. But, I mean, would I be happy if I were running a promotion full of independent contractors and they were working at these shows where there were COVID outbreaks? No, I wouldn't be happy, especially if it affected my show. But at the same time, what can you do about it? Say you can't work these events? You're exclusive to me as an independent contractor? I guess you could try. WWE manages it. And I guess other companies do as well. But, I mean, yes, I would be, I mean, I would be pretty concerned if this were happening. I'd be concerned that it happened already. I'd be more concerned if it were happening regularly. I think the issue with Marco Stunt was it was a content issue on one of the shows, which was on Effie's Big Gay Brunch, that there was a wacky spot uh, on that show that would, I guess, call into question, well, does AEW have a right to say anything about what their wrestlers are doing? And that's a completely separate issue than letting them go out there and, Again, you can have, uh, you know, your independent contractors. It's how much do you want to hold over their heads as far as what they're doing when they're not working for you. And if they wanted to, you know, expand some controls or, or have something to say about what guys do when they appear on independent shows, I guess they have a right to try to, to do something like that or try to say something about it. But that's the issue that he's talking about. The COVID thing is completely separate. And I, I wonder, after, you know, the collective, the issues that were, were had in Indianapolis that, you know, unfortunately for Tony Deppin, I know he was, you know, scheduled for the Ring of Honor things. He's now off and now unfortunately has COVID. You know, it's going to be, that's going to be the question because shows are still going to be taking place all over the place and groups are going to be running, whether it be in Indiana, California, Florida, they're going to be running in different places. It's a matter of, it's going to be interesting to see how guys who are associated with AEW or are associated with WWE as well as just independent wrestlers are you going to be going to these events under the circumstances of the uh, and the risk as far as here says do you have any idea how they're going to fit the cell in the thunderdome seems like it can't be raised or lowered and they've only booked matches inside hell in a cell is it only going to be hell in a cell matches my understanding is that there is more than one hell in a cell match but it is not all hell in a cell matches the thunderdome setup I mean, it looks to me like the ringside area is exactly as big as the ringside area always is. So, I mean, they can always move things around inside the Thunderdome, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the cell is going to be able to effectively be lowered and raised in that building by the they time figured out a way to comes. put up, you know, <laughs> they, they figured out a way to do the whole setup as it is. They'll either figure out a way to do the setup on the fly or they will tape it in advance or something like that and... You know, again, not tell you or something. I think that's the, I'm sure they have something figured out about that. I don't think they're WCW level as far as that goes. Dude, maybe they'll put a big screen up with a fake Thunderdome on it or a fake Hell in a Cell as part of the Thunderdome. They'll just wrestle in the ring and there'll be a fake cage around them. That way we don't have to shoot through the chain link. And I'll sort of go. Did you already go Clark Griswold over at your house and put up all the Halloween decorations for the kids? Are you kidding me? Yeah, with a four-year-old that's scared of skeletons? Trust me, there's nothing in this house right now. This person here says, Am I the only one who could not get into the Newsday segment on SmackDown because I was sure there was going to be a turn? I think so. I've heard nobody else say that. I thought it was fantastic. I thought SmackDown as a whole was like the best SmackDown that we've seen in forever. I mean, the opening segment totally sucked. But, I mean, we had Lars Sullivan getting a big win over Jeff Hardy because they're trying to push the guy. We had the New Day gimmick where they talked about being broken up and they're in tears. 
talking about the times they've had together. That was real. We had New Day beating Cesaro, Sheamus, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Happy ending. Their last match together. We had a Daniel Bryan segment with Seth Rollins, Rey Mysterio, the whole crew, where when it was over, and granted, I'm sure they'll find some way to screw this up, but I saw this lineup of talent, and I thought, my God, what you could do with all these guys. We had, had a Street Profits match. Sucked. It was like a horrible <laughs> DQ in like three minutes. And then Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman for the title. I mean, Roman Reigns is the greatest. And afterwards, they did the angle with, with Jey Uso. And they basically destroyed Braun Strowman because he's on his way out of the territory. And I thought everything they did in the main event and the main event angle I got me interested in the match at Hell in a Cell. I just thought overall, it was the best SmackDown probably in months. So, two thumbs up. Not quite as good as the G1. But hey, Not we don't quite. need to make comparisons here, do we? No. Even though I just did. All right, this person here says, Us, oh, question for Craig. Do you realize that Craig is not even here? Back in a moment, observe it live. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5560 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5560. Enjoy. I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever. Hey, look, I, I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I, I just want to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help. People who have felt your pain. They know what you're going through. This has to stop. I'm losing everything. Everyone. You've been strong your whole life. You can do this, but you have to reach out for help. It's time. I can do this. Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment. Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest, no kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. 
I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect, so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. I really don't have time to go in real depth about this, but I'll do the short version. This person says, if Matt Hardy did not have a concussion, why did it take him over a month to get cleared to wrestle? Well... I don't even know where to begin. So a lot of people believe if you get knocked out, it's just a concussion. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's just what it is. You were knocked unconscious, that's a concussion. In the medical community, I mean, there is apparently a distinction between getting knocked out and getting a concussion. Now, you're asking the wrong guy for details, but, I mean, if you watch UFC, people get knocked out on a regular basis, and some of them are diagnosed with a concussion, and some of them get knocked out, but they are not diagnosed with a concussion. How? I have absolutely no idea. But that's the way it works in in UFC. And it is possible that while Matt Hardy was knocked unconscious for 44 seconds, his doctor at the hospital did not diagnose him with a concussion for whatever reason. But because he was knocked out, much like in the UFC, if you're knocked out, whether you're diagnosed with a concussion officially or not, you're on a medical suspension for 30 days, 60 days, whatever they deem appropriate. So he may have been medically suspended from competition for 30 days, but was not officially medically diagnosed with a concussion. Now, if you want me to give further details, I can't. I can try and get a doctor on. But that's what I can tell you. Thank you very much for asking. We're out of time, everybody. But we'll have more tomorrow here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sundays, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. Myself and Vinny back tonight, November 1988, Saturday night's main event. Join us for that only at WrestlingObserver.com. Thanks, Sports Byline Mike, as always. Callers and listeners, Twitch homies, we'll talk to you next time. Wrestling Observer Live. <laughs>